Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. SoupX, the Startup Expo, North America's premier startup conference, is March 6th and 7th, 2017, in sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Affordably priced, SoupX is a two-day international conference featuring workshops, panels, speeches, a $50,000 startup competition, and over 100 exhibitors. For more information, go to sup-x.org. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Robert Delman. He's the Managing Director at Golden Seeds. Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Kevin. Really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. You, you have quite an impressive background and, and you're doing a lot of really interesting stuff. But maybe before we get into exactly what is Golden Seeds, maybe let's start off with kind of getting to know you a little bit better and mention where you grew up. Sure. So uh, I was born and raised on Long Island in New York and uh, really all throughout my uh, adolescent career, I guess you could say, I worked at a family business and continued to work at that business uh, after college and eventually rose to become president. It was a manufacturing and distribution company in the commercial tableware industry. And I never really expected to end up doing angel or venture investing, uh, and quite honestly, I never really even knew what it was. Okay, so walk me through that journey. Like, you're working in this company. How did you kind of go into angel and investing? Yeah, sure. So uh, I guess you could say the best time for an entrepreneur to sell their company is when they're not trying to sell the company. So we were doing very well, uh, acting very entrepreneurial. And uh, we got an unsolicited offer from one of our competitors within the market. Uh, And uh, it was a great offer. So we accepted. And I stayed on with that company for about three years. And then after that, sort of looking for my next career. And I came across an article one day in the Wall Street Journal that talked about angel investing. So uh, I Googled it, made a few phone calls, um, got involved in a couple of local groups. And here I am today. Sure. So... Maybe let's let's back up a little bit. What made you kind of like, okay, so like this company acquires you, you had to work there for a number of years. What made you kind of stay on? Was it contractual or you kind of wanted to still work there or, or what, what made you stay on for three years? So I was very fortunate in that none of the acquisition was based upon any type of earnout. Okay. So I could have really gone at any time. But uh, it was a great package, um, and it was a great opportunity to really guide the company through the transition. So, um, you know, I really loved what I was doing, so I stayed on. But then after the three years, I decided it was time to move on and do something else. Sure. So you called around. You decided to kind of start being an angel investor. What made you decide to kind of start doing that? Like you mentioned the article, but what was your kind of first deal, and what was the real deciding factor where you're like, I really want to kind of start doing some angel investing. So when you have a positive exit, all of a sudden your phone starts ringing with lots (laughs) of people uh, offering for you to be an investor in, in the next sort of great thing. Got you. And, uh, and being new to that, you would meet someone 
you know, at a Starbucks for an hour. And uh, you were really, you were ready to write the check after, after that first meeting. Uh, you, it's very easy to buy into an entrepreneur's passion about their business. So as you can imagine, there's not a lot of due diligence associated with that type of investing. So unfortunately, I did make a few investments very early on, just sort of based on the passion of the entrepreneur and without doing any due diligence. And as I mentioned, those unfortunately were not successful. So I then started looking around for some sort of angel group okay. where, you could, where you could pool the resources uh, both the deal sourcing and the due diligence process and get a lot of smart people around the table asking questions that you would never even think of asking. So that's really how I sort of developed from becoming an angel investor into becoming into becoming part of the group. And part of my overall strategy of becoming an angel investor was, first off, I wanted to allocate part of, of my assets into a, uh, into a uh, high-reward asset class. As we know, angel investing can be very lucrative, but it's also extremely risky. So I only have uh, a small percentage of my assets in there. And also, I felt that I was extremely lucky in my in my exit, and I wanted to uh, continue to interface with entrepreneurs and pass on some of the knowledge that I had gained over my journey. Sure. So how did you get involved with Golden Seeds, and exactly what is Golden Seeds? So the way I got involved was I had met through uh, another group that I was active with, a chocolate company okay. that I invested in. And it's and uh, it was a female entrepreneur. And at that time, uh, they were also going through due diligence at Golden Seeds. So I was introduced to them as an investor in this company uh, as part of the company's fundraising process. And at that time, uh, Golden Seeds was only about two or three years old. And they were an angel investor network uh, of angels, both men and women, who would invest in companies, startup companies, but the one, t the one twist was is that there had to be at least one female in the C-level suite with a meaningful posi position of equity, influence, and uh, ownership. Okay, interesting. So you, you got introduced to them. At what point did you decide to kind of come on board and be managing director? Right, so early on, uh, you know, in the process of sort of seeing how they go about their process, I was really hooked. Um, one thing that really struck me was the intelligence of the people sitting around the table and their attention to the process and really having a very defined process as far as how they did things, whether it was from deal sourcing, due diligence, leading a deal. Uh, and I really became hooked. And uh, I was one of sort of the early managing directors at Golden Seeds. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, I've, I've now been here almost 10 years. Wow. Uh, and I cover certain areas like uh, New York deal flow. We have a knowledge institute where we educate uh, new angel investors about angel investing in the process. So I'm, I'm one of the lead instructors there. Uh, and we also run a, a lot of office hours programs where we see early stage entrepreneurs either online or they I'm in and we have a whole program set up for that. Okay. No, that's really cool. So you kind of mentioned um, the your guys' process. Do you want to maybe walk me through kind of what exactly do you guys kind of do from the initial kind of meeting to actually investing? Can you walk me through that process? 
Yes, absolutely. So uh, we use an online platform called Proceeder. Uh, so we receive applications in uh, and we review them on an ongoing basis. Uh, we also, you know, as I mentioned, have other opportunities where we can engage with entrepreneurs like office hours. Those are informal. But once a company gets sourced um, and there are various ways in which companies will find out about us, uh, either through the ecosystem in general, we have a 275 members who are always out there looking for deal sourcing. So once those deals come in, uh, we take a look at them on an individual basis. We spend a lot of time going over them. Uh, we look at the financials, uh, we look at the market, and we determine whether we think that this is something that our members would be interested in. Because at the end of the day, it's the members who make the individual decisions whether to invest or not. Uh, if we think that it would have interest to the members, uh, the next step in our process is we invite the company in for a screening, and we do hold those monthly. And we usually see anywhere between 10 and 15 companies on a monthly basis wow. here in New York. We also see companies in other locations as well. And screening is open to all the members. Uh, the company gets 10 minutes to pitch. Uh, at the end of that day, we take a vote among the members to sort of find out who the top two or three were that there is interest. We then invite those companies back two weeks later. We have what we call our forum. And we typically get about 50 to 75 investors at that event. And the company also gets 10 minutes to pitch, and then there's plenty of time for Q&A afterwards. After that, uh, if we still have uh, some sizable interest among members, uh, we, we ask the hypothetical question, knowing what you know now, uh, would you invest in this company? That's not a hard commitment. It's just sort of getting a level of interest. Sure. And if there's a sizable amount of members to move forward, we then go into the due diligence process. And throughout all of these phases, we do have a, a, what we call a due diligence playbook uh, where we follow along a certain process. So we then form a due diligence team, and that is made up of the members themselves. And we go through uh, a host of issues around the management team, around the business model, around the intellectual property. And then we garner interest from the members along the way. We write a deal memo, uh, and then hopefully that will garner some investment from our, from our members at the end of the day. And generally speaking, our funding rate is about 3% of companies that apply uh, will get funding from Golden Seeds. And that is pretty much the average uh, that's published by the Angel Capital Association, which is really the trade organization for angel groups throughout the U.S. Got you. So is roughly what's the time frame from kind of a company applying, you guys interviewing, going through your process – and then deciding to kind of invest in them. Is that a couple of months? Is it six months? Does it really depend on kind of how much money they're looking for? Or, or how does that work? So, of course, the answer is that it depends. And it sure. depends on how much due diligence how much due diligence we actually need to do. It also depends on whether we are leading the deal or we're following along with someone else's term sheet. If gotcha. we're leading the deal and negotiating the term sheet, that can often take longer. Uh, but we really like to get to know the entrepreneur uh, because at the end of the day, the business idea is certainly going to change, uh, but the entrepreneur is who the entrepreneur is. So we really want to spend time with them, understand how they operate and how they think. Uh, but I would say, generally speaking, uh, our process takes on an average about 12 to 15 weeks. Okay. Well, that's not that bad, actually. That's pretty quick. It could be it could be quicker. It could be longer. Sure. It all depends. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So 
when what do you guys kind of look for when somebody comes to you? Is there certain industries that you guys prefer? Is there certain things you're looking for? Obviously, you said mm -hmm. kind of um, a little bit more kind of obviously female women leaders or, or they have to be kind of high up in a company. But what do you guys kind of look for in companies coming to Golden Seeds? Right. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the management team themselves and the people are really, really important to us. Uh, we certainly, um, you know, look at a variety of factors. Uh, we want to know what the entrepreneur has accomplished so far with the business. You know, we're not necessarily concerned about where the entrepreneur went to school, you know, or something like that. Interesting. We're looking for what can they show us as far as accomplishments that they've made so far. As far as the business itself, of course, uh, we want something that's going to be extremely scalable. Uh, we're not interested in things that have a strong real estate component or require a lot of capital expenditures, like building a factory or something along those lines. Gotcha. We love companies that already have some type of proof of concept revenue. Uh, so if they're giving the product away now and they haven't yet started charging, that's okay. Uh, but if they do have some proof of concept revenue, to prove that people are willing to actually pay for it, that's better. We want the, we want the product, uh, if it's some sort of tech product, to be out in beta, so they have hundreds if not thousands of people using it, and they're getting a lot of valuable input back from those people. As far as revenue goes, uh, we love if, if there's revenue from multiple sources, not just one. So whether it's in advertising, they're selling product, partnerships, things along those lines. Uh, recurring revenue models are obviously terrific. We want to get an idea of what the entrepreneur is thinking about as far as customer acquisition costs uh, and what's the lifetime value of, of, of that particular customer. And then, of course, we want to know how we're going to exit. So we've invested in the company. What is the entrepreneur thinking in so far as, uh, as far as exit opportunities? Uh, who might be a potential acquirer for the company? Have there been similar exits in the space? What are the comps? And that really goes also along with fundraising. So, uh, of course, valuation is certainly very important. What percentage of the company are we going to be buying? Uh, and also, we understand that all companies are going to need additional fundraising in the future. So let us know what those future capital requirements are going to be, or at least some idea. We realize that everything is an estimate at this point. Sure. No, that that makes a lot of sense. So is there specific kind of verticals or industries that you guys prefer over others? Or are you guys pretty open? Other than the few that you We're said you're open. not really into? Right. So I would say uh, we are pretty open. First off, we are location agnostic. So we're located in New York, but we do invest throughout the United States. Uh, as far as verticals go, uh, sort of uh, technology is an all-encompassing term, but um, you know certainly any types of, of technology we're interested in. We are also uh, very large healthcare and life science investors. Gotcha. So whether it's some sort of drug therapy or medical device, something along those lines. We also do uh, because we're in New York. We see uh, we see a lot of consumer. We see a lot of media. Um, so those are verticals that we invest in as well. Got you. And you guys have quite quite the amount of companies like you guys have invested over 85 companies now um you, you know you've been around since 2005 you've you've put in over 90 million dollars you guys have over 275 members so you guys are a huge angel network in kind of north america and probably even the world right if 
Right. Like yeah. that's a huge amount of people that are that are investing. And so we kind of talked about what the entrepreneur and what you guys do for companies, but you guys also kind of have obviously this huge network of angel investors. So how do you guys decide, you know, if, so, if I'm an angel investor and I come to you and I say, you know, I'm looking at kind of joining Golden Seeds as an investor, what do I need to do or, or how do I become an investor through Golden Seeds? Well, the first thing is we want to make sure that you are an accredited investor. Uh, certain regulations set forth by the SEC. Everyone that's a member of Golden Seeds is, a, is an accredited investor. Okay. So, sorry, uh, and then, you know, we you would encourage you. What yeah. does that mean for people that maybe don't know, like that are maybe looking into getting to angel invested? What does that mean to be an accredited investor? So uh, there are certain uh, either net assets uh, that you that you that you have, or uh, it could also be a certain amount that you earn each year. Okay. Uh, it's to somehow prove that you have a certain level of sophistication, which doesn't necessarily mean because you have a lot of money or earn a lot of money. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're uh, that you know about angel investing. So. Um, but anyway, those are uh, just some of the guidelines set forth by by the SEC. And if an entrepreneur takes money from a non-accredited investor, they are allowed to do that, but only up to a certain number. Gotcha. Uh, there are a lot of new regulations set forth by the Jobs Act. So we always encourage entrepreneurs to consult with their legal counsel. And there are also a lot of free resources online to learn about the Jobs Act, to learn about if they can accept and how many non-accredited investors they're allowed to have. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. So I come to you, you guys do some obviously diligence on um, the actual investor. You make sure they're accredited. And then um, you kind of mentioned earlier that you, you do some sort of training. Like do you, like if I came to you and I had money to invest as an angel, you, you give me some sort of training or how does that kind of work to get me involved in actually being an active investor through your platform? Right. So the first thing is we would certainly uh, encourage you before you actually commit to come to one of our forum events as a guest okay. uh, to see if this is the kind of thing that you're interested in. Uh, we really want our members to be active uh, in, in both investing and working on due diligence teams. So uh, it's a very collaborative effort here at Golden Seeds. Uh, once you would actually join, they, we have four different modules of angel investing that you are able to uh, take. Uh, those are available as part of our initiation fee uh, for free. You can sort of take as many of the classes as you want in the first year that, that you're a member. And our actually first class, which, which is uh, Angel Investing 101 Introduction, uh, that is actually available to non-members as well. So they can learn about angel investing if they want to without making the commitment to actually join. The training is not necessarily mandatory, but it's highly suggested uh, so that when we talk about things uh, such as deal terms, valuations, what we look for in due diligence, our entire process, uh, what happens after the investment, we cover all of that in the training modules. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. So. And this is probably really depends on the deal, but what's kind of the range of funding that you guys will give a company? Is it, you know, 500,000, a couple million? What, what's your kind of rough range on average that you guys kind of invest in a company? So 
We see a lot of companies that do not make it through to the end of our process, uh, all the way through to to diligence and funding. However, there might be some members along the way who are just really drawn to the company and they want to invest. So we encourage that. Uh, So it could be just one or two investors going in, maybe $25,000 or $50,000. If a deal goes all the way through our process, uh, we'll usually, depending on the level of interest, it could be anywhere between 250000 and a million dollars. Okay. We also have our Golden Seeds Fund, too, uh, which is nearing the end of its investment process. But if the fund invests as well, that could be another three to $500,000. Got you. Okay. Um, so you guys also have this office hours thing. And for people that don't know kind of what that really means, what what is that for, for the entrepreneur? Like you guys kind of have investors that anybody can kind of come online and talk to or, or walk me through that office hours thing because I think it's super valuable and I love when organizations do that and offer that as a service to entrepreneurs. Sure. So office hours, first off, is free. There's no cost. There's no charge or anything like that. Um, so we encourage uh, all entrepreneurs to check it out. Uh, and we also like to see entrepreneurs that are not necessarily uh, in a business that may be fundable by an angel investor. We actually see people that are opening up uh, some sort of corner store, some sort of retail establishment, and they just want to sort of learn about the process, you know, that if they want to really expand their business. But basically, our office hours consists of uh, two components. Uh, there's a little bit of a 30-minute presentation where we talk about uh, Golden Seeds in general, who we are, uh, what kind of companies we look for, and then we talk a lot about angel investing, what an angel investor sort of looks like. We talk a bit about the accreditation process that we spoke about earlier. Uh, and then after that, there's also time for questions and answers by, by the attendees. And then if it's an in-person office hours in one of our locations, the entrepreneurs on an individual basis uh, get to meet with one or two Golden Seeds members to just talk on an informal basis. It's not a real pitch. It's just to get some feedback on their idea and to ask some additional questions. If after the office hours, uh, the entrepreneur feels like they are ready to apply, they can go online and enter our process on a more formal basis. Got you. We also have virtual, we, we also have virtual office hours uh, where if there's an entrepreneur not in one of our locations, uh, they can sign on during specified hours. Uh, they'll hear the presentation and see the, the presentation. Uh, there'll be time for questions and answers. Uh, but unfortunately, there's not that one-on-one that, that occurs afterwards. Got you. And just for people listening, you guys are in, you have physical office hours in New York, Boston, Silicon Valley, Dallas, Atlanta, and then like you mentioned, your virtual office hours. So how long roughly does... Um, an entrepreneur get whether they're coming in person or if they're virtual? So uh, if they're coming in person, uh, there's that 30 minute presentation. Okay. And then they'll typically, and then they'll typically get about 15 minutes uh, with one or two Golden Seeds members on an individual basis to obtain that one-on-one feedback. Sure. No, that, that's great. I I love that uh, you guys kind of have both like physical places and and virtual office hours. I think that's great. So I'm kind of curious, obviously, you've been in this game a long, long time. 
what advice do you kind of give people that are looking to raise some angel money when they first kind of come maybe at the beginning or, or, or kind of what advice do you give somebody when they're kind of looking to raise some angel money? So uh, one thing that we also do with entrepreneurs is we really encourage them as they're thinking about funding and really growing their business. There are a lot of great, uh, whether you want to call them accelerators or incubators around the country. Sure. And uh, we don't necessarily recommend any of them in particular, but we find that for the most part, they do a great job of getting with these very early stage entrepreneurs, helping them hone their business idea uh, connecting them with mentors and preparing them for the uh, for the angel round. So uh, we always encourage them to take a look there. Uh, there are obviously a lot of great resources online. Uh, there's a lot of great books out there. Uh, you know, certainly go to as many events as you can. A lot of attorneys hold events. A lot of angel groups hold events. Engage and network with as many investors, uh, and, you know, and other entrepreneurs as well as you can. Sure. No, that that makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to know, is there anything that, you know, you see kind of all the time that maybe people looking to raise money shouldn't do? So very often uh, we see a lot of pitches where after the first five minutes or so, we have no idea what the company actually does. Okay. Um, because there's often a lot of buzzwords that they use um, or they're describing it in such esoteric terms. So I always talk about that an entrepreneur has to pass the granny test. If you want to get me interested in your idea, you have to pitch it the same way that your grandmother would understand it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we want you to speak in simple terms that anyone can really understand. Because if you lose me after five minutes, uh, we see lots of deals. We have we have lots of applications. We're probably not going to be interested. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm I'm curious to know your thoughts on kind of the pitch deck because for for mm -hmm. a company that I'm working on right now, um, we were putting together a pitch deck, and it, it's interesting because at least what worked for us was we had a kind of a, a couple different versions of the pitch deck. One that was more kind of numbers and kind of data heavy, and then one that was a little bit more kind of, I wouldn't say salesy, but maybe a little bit more like fluffy kind of content, maybe a little bit more salesy, but, and it, it almost like you needed to send a pitch deck that was would resonate with the type of person that you were actually kind of pitching to. Do you agree with that? Have you found that? Kind of, or what's your thoughts on kind of the pitch deck? So we give to most of the entrepreneurs who come in uh, a uh, sort of 10-question template of what we like to see gotcha. you know, in a pitch deck. It doesn't necessarily have to be 10 pages, but we want uh, these 10 points covered. Uh, and they're very basic things such as, you know, what is the problem that you're solving? What is your solution? What's the competition like? How big is the market? Uh, how are you going to make money and acquire customers? How are you going to exit? So all of all things associated like that. Uh, and I always tell entrepreneurs, first of all, practice your pitch deck, because when you come in and have a 10 minute presentation in person, uh, you want to be able to get 
through it all. And it's amazing how many people have not practiced enough and they just run out of time. I would also then, I always encourage entrepreneurs, feel free in the appendix section to have more of that hard data that you spoke about. Interesting. So that during the Q&A portion, you can then go and refer to it. So the pitch deck could be 30 or 40 pages with maybe only 10 or 15 pages in the main section. Gotcha. So once again, don't, don't wait for too long uh, in the pitch deck to get to what is your product and how are you going to make money. In, in a pitch presentation, those are the two things that an, that an investor is going to want to know within the first 30 seconds. Sure. That, that makes sense. So are you expected when people come to pitch to you, you give them 10 minutes, are you expecting them to fill the full 10 minutes or if like, are they expected to kind of do it in, leave some questions, I guess is the, like in that 10 minutes or they're kind of expected to fill 10 minutes. So we've never uh, seen a presentation uh, that uh, ends well before the 10 minutes. Got you. Uh, everyone is usually able to fill that space. Um, and then there's always a Q&A portion at the end, um, you know, where uh, there are going to be questions, certainly. Um, but, uh, you know, I would say the vast majority of entrepreneurs that are out there, they've done this before insofar as pitching. Um, when you come to golden season, I think most angel groups, it will be uninterrupted. Uh, I've been to presentations elsewhere where, uh, people start asking questions during the presentation, uh, and it can be very distracting for the entrepreneur and then they're not able to get through the entire presentation. So, um, but that usually doesn't happen, but an entrepreneur should know that it is a possibility. Sure. So other than kind of a pitch deck and you guys kind of provide these materials and questions to entrepreneurs. Is there anything else that either you guys are looking for or advice that you can kind of give other entrepreneurs to actually give to investors? Like, do you want like a business plan? Like what other kind of documents or, or things do you really look for or tell people that they should kind of provide or at least have for reference, if an investor asks and they don't have to scramble to kind of put something together. Right. So there's a lot of great due diligence checklists out there. So entrepreneurs should always be aware of what's on a due diligence checklist. So okay. even things like references, have those references lined up already. Um, they should have all of this already up in a Dropbox or some sort of cloud platform where uh, you can easily share it with potential investors. So you should always be thinking about that and always have it ready. Um, just some other things, you know, that I sort of want to mention. Sure. Uh, there are two in particular that I think entrepreneurs should always be aware of. But very early on in the fundraising process, they may take some money in from friends and family uh, where it's not really documented properly as far as what that money is. Is it a loan? Is it equity? Um, so, uh, if the cap table is not uh, sort of proper and if everything is not documented, that can create problems later on for an entrepreneur. So if any of the, of the listeners out there, uh, just make sure any money you take in is documented and everyone knows what the money is for and what the terms are. The second thing is uh, when an entrepreneur comes in, if they already have a board of advisors, which is different than a board of directors, a board of advisors. There's, it's a non-fiduciary role. Um, there's no legal obligation. There are no board meetings, but it's basically people with ec with sector expertise that are willing to help you mentor you 
and lend their name and expertise to your venture. So uh, that provides a lot of credibility for what you're doing and really goes a long way during the fundraising process. Okay. No, that's, that's great. That's great advice, actually. I, I think that, that makes a lot of sense. So you, you obviously sit and you've been like an advisor and a board member and kind of a teacher yourself. What do or what should companies that are looking to get a board or start a board, and you kind of cover this like with obviously you want people with industry expertise, but what should you also look for when putting together a board or asking people to be on your board? So usually a board is comprised of the founder themselves and then uh, various investors from different series of investment. Okay. Uh, and then you should o- and then you should always have an independent on the board, as I mentioned, someone with sector expertise. Okay. One thing that the entrepreneur does not always realize is that the the board members they are there to obviously help the entrepreneur. Uh, and to help the business. But at the end of the day, the fiduciary responsibility for board members is to all classes of shareholders. So the board members are not necessarily there, uh, and I'm speaking about the board of directors now, not uh, not a board of advisors. So a board of directors, uh, they're not there to be friends with the entrepreneur. They're not there to be buddies with the entrepreneurs. They're there looking out for all classes of shareholders. And very often, uh, that could be at odds with the founder themselves. Interesting. So um, just as long as all expectations are known and acknowledged by all members, uh, it can be a successful relationship as long as everyone understands exactly what a board of directors member means. Got you. No, I, I think that that's really good advice. So we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So maybe let's close the show with maybe giving kind of a quick overview again of what Golden Seeds is and maybe what you guys are kind of looking for, just in case somebody kind of tuned in a little bit later into the show? Sure. Thanks so much. So Golden Seeds is an uh, angel investor network. Uh, we are made up of t- approximately 275 members, both male and female. We invest in early stage ventures throughout the U.S. Uh, and are basic criteria is that we only invest in companies that have a woman in a C-level role with uh, meaningful influence, equity, and ownership in the business. Uh, we believe in gender diversity for providing better financial results for the company and for the shareholders. We are based in New, in New York, but we also have locations uh, throughout the country. We have an online platform uh, you can apply to us via Proceder or directly through our Golden Seeds website. We invest in a variety of sectors. Uh, technology, obviously, is very broad, as well as healthcare, life science, consumer, and media. That That's great, Robert. So where can people kind of find you guys online and get more information about Golden Seeds? Sure. So you can hop over to goldenseeds.com. Uh, and through there, you can learn more about us. You can find out about our office hour sessions. Uh, we talk about our investment criteria. And you can actually apply for funding directly through the website. Perfect. Well, Robert, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you. And, you know, I thanks again for doing this. I really appreciate it. Great. My pleasure, Kevin. Thanks so much. Great, man. Well, you have a good rest of your day, and we'll talk soon.
Thank you. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep them in the future.